Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we are visited by our very good friend, Karen Mazen Miller. This conversation today is about letting go. And I can tell you, I'm a different person at the end of it than I was when we started. And that being said, I'm going to let go of any need to over-explain what our conversation was about. So welcome, Karen Mazen Miller. Someone has some new glasses. I left my readers at home and I was in Michael's, so I had to buy a pair of readers so I could. Get used to it. And it, I liked the blue color. It was fun. I won't lose them. Now I'm gonna tell you a little, give you a little teaching story before we start, so to speak, even though we've already started. It's about your glasses. On Wednesday, I gave a talk, and uh, the talk was about um, actually being present in phenomenal reality. In other words, always really being aware of the space in front of you, you see, and really being 100% there instead of where we are 110%, which is in our heads. So uh, several months ago, I think, you know, I'm quite an advanced age, so I routinely either um, need to replace or I misplace my reading glasses. But I had acquired a new pair and they were my favorite. But then I couldn't find them. And I looked everywhere for them. I looked everywhere I could think that they might be. And they had just disappeared. So while I was preparing my talk about how we don't really see what's in front of us when we're always thinking and thinking about our thoughts and either ruminating about the past or, you know, um, imagining the future, so to speak, you know how this goes. I was in the middle of preparing my talk and I thought, okay, this is enough talk about talk, you know, enough talk about this. I happen to be leaving today for about three weeks of retreat. And uh, there's so many things to do. So I was looking out my window and I said, I have to prune the roses tonight. I have to prune them now. There's so many things to do. I went out and I started pulling weeds and pruning the roses. And what do you suppose I found lying on this good earth right in front of me? It was those glasses that I had misplaced. Now there's a teaching in Zen that says, when you stay present to what's in front of you, your problems solve themselves. So here I am today wearing these precious, you know, $14.99 glasses from CVS. But until I actually reminded myself to stay focused on where I was, they would still be lost. You see, only when you spend a lot of time staring at a wall which is what we do in our practice, does a story like that seem extraordinary? Uh, it actually is happening all the time. We always feel like we've lost something when in fact it's staring us in the face. I'm so glad you wore those glasses today, boo. Oh my goodness, I love it. This is why I love I love our conversations because my one of my favorite things is to go back after Stephen edits and to go back and listen to him. And these are my favorite because then... I guess what I'm learning is I can just be present. I'm just present with you and I'm listening and, and I'm absorbing it. And then when I get to go back and listen to it, it just kind of, it really just settles. I don't know, maybe I'm more present when I'm listening to it the second time. Maybe my brain is when you're talking, I'm like, do I have to, a question or, you know, or trying to make sense of things or like when you were telling that story, I was like, they're on her head, aren't they? They're on her head because that happens to me all the time. And, um, well, yeah, that, that just kind of solves that for me. Yeah. Um, 
And that has happened to me many times too. However, you just brought something up that is the critical piece of this. Usually when we're experiencing something, even when we're sitting in front of somebody and supposedly listening to what they say, we're up in our heads and we're interpreting what they say and we're crafting a response. So actually we're talking to ourselves all the time. And what you described about how when you go back, you think you hear it differently. This is so true, uh, particularly in the teaching, because we can read books uh, that are teachings by ancient Zen masters, and we don't understand a bit of it. It just sounds like gobbledygook. And then we might read it again if we spend more time looking at a blank wall. We can read it again, and suddenly things that we, you know, whizzed by us, that we just skipped over, that we didn't even see, stand out to us, because that's where we are at that moment in terms of really focusing and being able to cultivate our awareness and concentration on what's in front of us. And we see all kinds of things. This is so true in everything. It's so true. Well, I think what I thought of, like right, right in between those two conversations that we just had, I realized that I'm always trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. Hmm. And I thought of that. So this last time that you were just now talking, I just kind of let go of trying to figure it out and just listen to you. And I think that's it. I think that's why when I go back and listen to our episodes, because I, I, I love our conversations so much. Um, sometimes I'll take notes because I know I want to ask a question, but when I'm just listening, I'm just able to listen. Go, and then go for the ride just, that the yeah, speaker's giving yeah. you. Yeah, and then, and then just now I realize that my challenge is, is that usually when we're talking, I'm either trying to figure it out. Like, like you said, I'm, I'm in my head going, oh, that's a good question. And you hold on to that question and I'm missing stuff. And that's why when I go back, it's like, oh, it's all there. And it's, it's just there. Well, if we're having an inner dialogue, we're kind of talking over the speaker. You know, we have two speakers here, you know, and, and, you know, I think it's human to always have this inner dialogue. I mean, I think there's a pretty high percentage of us that, that do it, but obviously there's a reason to try to pull that back, especially when you're listening. Let me tell you how valuable that is. It's so valuable. We, we talk, we think that we listen to our kids, but do we really? You know, we think we listen to one another, but do we really? It's almost like, uh, you know, when you're walking in a busy place and somebody steps on the heel of your shoe, you know, and you stumble, we are stepping on each other's words when we do that. Uh, We're so eager to actually speak ourselves. Um, So listening is, um, it's almost never done. You know, it's almost never done, but you do have to let go. That's what I wanted to talk about today. You said, I'm always trying to figure it out, but I have to let go of that. And sometimes the figuring is what we call, uh, well, we call it understanding, which um, is usually a, a contradiction in terms. When we say we understand something, what we're actually saying is, I understand what I think you said, <laughs> but um, pure understanding is almost impossible. However, when we say that, or when we tell ourselves to try and understand the meaning of something, that too is simply what we, it means to us. And we fabricate that interpretation. We decide what something means. Now, this is gonna sound really crazy, but a fully realized, enlightened person, there's no meaning in what they say. It's words without meaning. It's just the way a bird sings, see, or the way a cat meows. It is a phenomenal reality, and it's not weighted down by what either the speaker or the listener thinks the words mean. What's amazing is how much pure communication takes place when that happens. After all, babies can't say words, but they communicate perfectly to their parents. 
and animals don't use our language and yet living in true intimacy and close proximity we understand what animals are communicating to us so that kind of takes us into another echelon where anybody would believe that they can use a word and it doesn't have a specific meaning so i don't suggest that you try it just yet at least not in this conversation <laughs> but i do want to talk about letting go I'm excited about that because I want to bring it back to when we first, uh, I was, every episode that we have has a gold nugget for me. Well, lots of them, but one particular was, I remember you said, when you get out of your way, Lori, or when you can let go of the anger is when you're really going to be able to help. I remember we were very angry and we we're heal and we're trying to heal and we're trying to figure it out and do what was right and advocate and all of these things. And like when you said, you know, just showing up as advocating, we were like, <sighs> and then months later, we were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that really resonated in me because I wasn't there yet. But I took it as a seed, right? It didn't make sense to me at the time. It didn't, it wasn't where I was. Um, and I didn't even really know what that actually meant for our journey. Like I had no idea, but I just knew that there was some place to go. And it was more of a feeling of maybe hope, like peace, because we did not, it, it was peace in the time that we didn't really have peace, but also a knowing that there was going to be peace, like the turmoil and the pain that I was feeling it wasn't, that wasn't the end of it. That wasn't where I was going to just rest with all of this. And you were talking about the conversations and it's our interpretation. Uh, I think about this journey and I think about how freeing that would have been along the journey for me to be able to, I'm just going to bring it back to IEPs because that was really the, the I feel like the challenges that our community faces are more like societal perceptions of our children and also the fight for an education if that meeting could have just if I would have been aware that I was giving it its meaning I was giving it its weight I was giving it its power can I say something I wish yes you would <laughs> that meeting can you show it to me can you show it to me right now can you bring it out See, these are the kinds of questions that in my practice, a teacher would ask uh, a student who comes in and says, I'm angry, I have a problem, I went through something, I am still feeling the impact, I can't let go of it. You see, I've often said this too, what we hold on to is what's already gone. And the only place that it's still troubling is as you reflect on it, you know, in your thinking mind. First off, you know, this is really clarifying. It's kind of shocking, but it's clarifying. In other words, it's simplifying and things come into focus when my teacher would say, okay, yes, bring me your problem. Bring me that issue that you had. Bring me that terrifying memory that you have or that incident that happened. And you realize I can't. You see, sometimes what people will do is tell a story about it, or maybe even pantomime a feeling that they had from the past. It's not possible to hold on to things, really. Things that have phenomenal reality, you can't hold on to time. You can't hold on to a moment. And you can't really even hold on to a thought or a feeling. They all spontaneously and immediately disappear. But what we do is we pull up memories from things that we think were so important or that, that we wanna flesh out or deliberate, but they, they don't have any material reality. And we do that also about things in the future where we are. Uh, imagining a, an outcome or something like that. And by holding on to that, we judge every moment, every activity, every event by that expectation. Or we spend years and years and years trying to 
unravel something that happened so long ago. Oftentimes in our culture, we think that the antidote to holding on, that the way we let go is something called acceptance. But often acceptance infers that we um, we're fond of it or we liked it or that we agree with it. What we have to recognize is that acceptance isn't required because the moment's already gone. And what we have to do is let that be gone, which is, is really easy because it's already gone. <laughs> it's when we think I need to figure this out. I need to make sure I understand what happened. I want to be able to write about it or help people. I want That's just a kind of a self-involvement. So acceptance isn't required. I, I think of it like this way for myself. It's more of an act of surrender which doesn't imply that we lost anything. It just means that we no longer are defending or separating or in some way dividing ourselves from our experience. It just is what it is. It was what it was. And there's only one time in my life when that kind of uh, way of dealing was automatic and unquestioned, and that was during our lockdown because we didn't know where it would lead. We couldn't envision when it would be over. We weren't trying to move towards some result or goal. It just was the way it was. And some people might have said they liked it, you know, because they appreciated living a different kind of life that was quieter or that was or isolated or didn't require going to the grocery store or whatever was the case. But it doesn't matter if you like it or don't like it. To let things be what they were, what they are, and what they will be. Honestly, you guys, I have found that there's never a time when I don't need to let go. It's all the time. It's all the time. I was thinking of this in order to give it some kind of a, um, you know, make it seem relevant to you. Uh, is Sophia now 16? 15. She'll be 16 September. Did you lose the 14-year-old? Did you lose a 14-year-old when Sophia turned 15? No. <laughs> you didn't. You can't lose her. It's just that she was 14 and now she's 15. There's nothing missing from her. Nothing missing. But we tend to think in terms of, you know, these times that we really either liked or that were precious and, oh, four was such a good year. And now Liam is 13, right? Mm -hmm. Did you lose Liam, the 12-year-old Liam? No. See, or the 10-year-old Liam? No. That's kind of like, and did you lose the baby Liam? Mm -mm. You can't lose it. There's changes constant, you see? Things appear in a certain way, and then they appear in a different way. And it's no trouble at all. It's no trouble, it happens by itself. My teacher used to bring us all together and say, why are you guys having such a hard time? Let me tell you, when you were five, you know, you were five at one time, and then you were seven, was that hard? <laughs> you were 13, and then you were 16, was that hard? This happens by itself continuously. The flow of events, the flow of time, you know, what we think of as time. And there's no possible way to hold on to any of it. See, we're just creating distress for ourselves, just creating distress. When we look back at moments and we remember them and try to maybe rehash or concentrate on those moments and try to figure out what it was, like you were saying, because we're remembering, we're kind of creating that moment in our own mind that suits us. In reality, I don't even know if it's the same way it actually happened at the moment, right? I just, I'm saying this. And of course, I'm, I'm then after years and years of this, you're just kind of, you've got, you've got it set in stone what that moment was, but it's like telephone, that game telephone. I mean, like you're saying it over and over, but you could be manipulating little moments in those moments. 
more than likely you are because um, every time you remember it, you're having a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory of a memory. Mm-hmm. And this is why in uh, police investigations and you know all kinds of investigations, they've determined that eyewitness testimony is the least reliable of all because they remembered what they remembered, what they remembered. And as we, if, if I can't find my reading glasses in the rose bed in my front yard for five months, when I've pruned those roses several times during that, and there have been rainstorms, if I didn't see where they were all that time, how valid is my sight? How valid is my own perception? Um, how grateful I am again, that I have a practice so that when I opted to no longer be thinking about these heady, you know, significant, important, philosophical, you know, high-minded thoughts about what I was going to give, say in my talk, I went out and for the first time in the months that those glasses had been there, many times that I've been by there to prune the roses or to pull the weeds, for the first time I saw them my problem was solved. I never even really had a problem. My glasses were never lost. They were always right where they always were. I was the one who was lost. So what I say to you as regards your parenting and everything that's ever happened and will happen, it's not as difficult as we make it. Nothing is as difficult as we make it. And let your children always be as they are. Let things always be as they are without the fear that they will never change. In the time that it took me to say that, they've already changed 7,000 times. I was thinking when you said that, when you guys were talking about memory, sometimes it's a lot of work to hold on to a memory. Sometimes it's a lot of work to hold on to being right or the way you remember a story, or like I know sometimes we'll get, we'll have a disagreement and I'll say, I just, I'm even too tired to just, I don't want to rehash what I experienced in that conversation. Let's just move from here because it's, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's very cumbersome. You could just look at each other and say, okay, okay move on, <laughs> move on. We, we saw it differently or we see it differently. Here we are. And let's just put that in the past. Then we don't see the differences. We right. just move on. And I was trying to think of in our experience with Liam's, like his, the fight for his education. Cause that's really what our goal is, is that we just want parents to have some peace when they're, because as of now, that's still a, a fight that they have to have. That is still a, a thing they, that must be participated in with full awareness and knowing like you have to know your rights and the conversations and there's a lot of unjust that goes on. And for me, what I really missed was ha- like the piece that I gave away that was you know, very clear to me that all like peace and trust and so many things were just removed from our existence in that relationship and I think about how this conversation and how letting go might have helped might have helped me to to hold on to some peace, if not just for being in being in the conversation when it's happening, not trying to figure out what they were gonna take from us or try because no matter what, what was gonna happen was gonna happen. What they were gonna do is what they were gonna do. But so much of my energy was like trying to like there's a the dam breaks and the water's like f- f- coming at you and you just put up your little hands and you're just like trying to hold it all back with, with my hands. And maybe if I would have just let those waters, the truth of those waters flush over me, uh, I could have moved to a different spot a lot quicker. Maybe, but you know, you can't show that to me either. So let's not fight the fights that are already over or strategize you know, the strategy that no longer applies. You see, there's no real point in that. That's just a mind game. Uh, and I'm not advocating that everybody, and this is always an assumption, you're just, you're just telling me to settle, you know, or you're just telling me to give up, or you're just telling me, you know, to not try if I accept in this moment how it is, or if I just let things be the way they are. And I, From my point of view, I say, what's so wrong? What's so bad about 
being settled. It doesn't mean you're fixed, you turn to stone, that nothing will ever change, but to be able to settle in the midst of what seems is a storm or in the midst of what seems like chaos, certain that neither can you predict the future or forestall the future in the same way you can't correct the past, but to settle in this moment, your eyes open, opportunities arise, possibilities are infinite. See, there's no way of knowing what's going to happen next. So let's start from where we are right now. How's Liam doing in his new school as a 13-year-old young man? The best ever. So excellent. You know, one of at the beginning of the school year, he had a dance, and that was a huge deal for us. And we did, you know, we wrote emails to find out and what supports and all of that. And Sophia went with him, and it was great. And then we checked it off our list. And then we moved down with the school year, and the school year just kept unfolding with, like, new surprises and just... <laughs> you know, so much ease. We just had a meeting last week and we had just, there was just so relaxed. Um, we were just, it, there was Supportive. a point where we went, um, all right, are we foolish for feeling this way? Like we doubt, we doubted, you know, we were just like, right. we, we just like, oh, it feels so, uh, there was moments of feeling like, okay, oh, should we be this okay with it being okay? Um, uh, but as as this, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. it's weird. So, but shouldn't we have some stress right now? Are you sure we should let go this much? I mean, because <laughs> if they pull the rug, we're going to be really bummed. I actually told the resource teacher we were talking, and she was apologizing because it was taking a long time to do this document. And I said, unless you turn out to be like Hans in Frozen One, and you flip that quickly, we trust you. We know that you have his best interests at heart. <laughs> But what was amazing is they had a second dance at the end of the year. And we didn't even think about it. We knew that it was the first one was fun. He went for a little bit. It was a little loud. And they, the, we got a call. Hey, you know, the dance is Friday. What kind of supports do you think Liam, is Liam interested in going? If so, what kind of, I'm going to put some supports there. So he's going to have fun. These are the things that we can do. And it was like, it was really beautiful because we had spent so much time being that person uh, that had to do all that work. And to all of a sudden, because honestly, I knew the dance was coming, but there's so much else going on. I, I knew it wasn't, he had fun, but he had more fun eating pizza and going to Starbucks afterwards because he was also a year younger. So I didn't choose to put my energy into making it what, what, right, making it happen, making it whatever. I just, you know, we just were, I guess, just doing our thing when I got a text and then a email and then a phone call. And, and then it was just like, well, we're going to just do these things and have them there. That way, if at the last minute he changes his mind and at the last minute he changed his mind that he wanted to go and be with his friends and he was there with his friends, not his sister. His sister didn't chaperone him. He I was just, ready to actually, when I dropped him off, I stuck around because I was ready for any time that he goes, okay, I'm kind of done with this. I go, okay, great. Well, we can maybe hang out outside a little and then put in a couple minutes and then we'll go. And he stayed for the whole thing. Isn't it scary to be outgrown? (laughs) Scary to be outgrown. And let's be real. You know what we hold on to? We really do hold on to yesterday's role, you know, and what was required and being good at what was required yesterday or the day before the day before and that becomes then the template that we we think we we have to use going forward so that's really what we're holding on to our own ideas of not just what's required but what being a good parent you know and what being uh, protective and you know intelligent and that's really what's the hardest thing to let go. Because as you know, I have a young, I have a, I almost said young, I have a daughter who's, who's an adult. I have to be reminded of that all the time. And, you know, sometimes she likes for me to know that I'm her baby, but it is to parent. And what's so interesting is Liam sounds exactly like a 13 year old. 
I mean, he really does sound exactly like a 13 year old. And that is not a 12 year old and that is not a 10 year old. But for me, I have to constantly remind myself that the faith, you know, the trust, the respect, the encouragement, the support that anyone needs is best expressed by letting go. We're so scared. We're so scared. And we become attached, not just as parents, but in our own lives, to the fear. The fear that something bad will happen and then we go into overdrive and maybe overperform and overprepare and overthink. And that we think that that makes things turns out, turn out okay. I did all the thinking I could. I did everything I could imagine to find these, this pair of spectacles. That was the problem. That was the problem, all the thinking that I did and the conclusion that I drew that I would never find them. Now, admittedly, this is a silly comparison, but it's so useful to me. When I said, let's talk about letting go, I think it was because I had just <laughs> visited my daughter, you know, where she lives now in New York. The only thing that made that bearable for both of us, I mean, what really opened it up to pure joy and delight in one another. Friendship, you know, love, was when I would drop any agenda, any suggestions, you know, any commentary at all. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When we let go, we're not only giving ourselves freedom, we're giving everyone else freedom. And freedom it's there as soon as we let go. When you visit your daughter, do you consciously think about that I don't need to parent her anymore? Because instinctively you must still have this experience that you've had, you know, way majority of her life of being with her, guiding her every step. Yes, I have to consciously think of it. But let me tell you, it's so wonderful when I'm not that mom. Again, if she needs that mom, she will say something or she'll include me or she'll ask my opinion. It is so delightful to simply walk side by side on a street in the same way you can now say with huge grins on your face, the school year for Liam has been fantastic. See, even as he has needed you less and less, and you have given that space to him to make decisions. And even though you're a wonderful human being and a marvelous dad, and you stayed those extra minutes, you left. You didn't stay the whole time. You left and you let him be. And so the whole visit is like that. The whole visit is like that. First off, I'm a guest. You know, I'm a visitor from out of town. It's not my domain where I set parameters and so forth. It's like play is what it's like. So, but I have to remind myself. It's the most fun I can have now. It's the most fun. Your family, as they leave you, as they need you less and less, present you with the opportunity to have real fun again, real fun. I guess that goes back to just being conscious of and accepting, I don't know if those are the words, but just that the change is happening, that we're just going with the change. Yeah, we call it going with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the most astonishing and accomplished athletes and musicians, they practice, you see, but in performance, there's no time, you know? As soon as they start think, thinking about how they're going to respond, you see, they've lost the game or they've stumbled in the, you know, their performance in some way. Yeah, you ha and that is a surrender. It's like a droplet of water, really being a droplet of water. And when it's, you know, when it splashes up out of the river, the flowing river, and splashes back down, it's gone. It moves and it happens by itself. So I congratulate you 
I congratulate you. I congratulate Liam for um, putting up with you and um, moving into the space that you've opened up for him to enjoy, you know, his friends and his life and his youth and the possibilities. Yeah, it just goes on and on. And I'm not here to say that anything is quote a bed of roses. The only bed of roses is the bed of roses that I have. And often it's weedy and thorny. And, you know, last year I had moles, you know, tearing up apart. So there's trouble, but um, problems solve themselves. Problems solve themselves. I think you found those glasses yeah, in those I was roses. Say, the bed of roses also <laughs> held your glasses. You said acceptance, and that's one of the words I think because I know also when I speak with when I speak with Sophia and we talk about challenges, and I don't know if it was from you or where I heard that like acceptance isn't it doesn't make it okay. It's if we just accept it, we're, we've just accepted how it that that's what it was. Yeah, and in pure presence, if you're totally right where you are, you don't judge this way or that. You know, that's really what we're talking about. The change is gonna it's gonna pass by anyway. I saw something that I wanted to share with you. I copied this from someplace or another. Let's get clear on something. By acceptance, we absolutely don't mean approval, desire, or fondness. There's a significant difference between being willing to have an experience and wishing for it or enjoying it when it happens. Acceptance is independent of desire and judgment. And this includes both positive and negative judgments. In other words, acceptance doesn't mean, oh, I like it. And it doesn't also doesn't mean I don't like it. When you accept a particular experience, you acknowledge it, stay present to it, and take it in without attempting to alter it in any way. See, the altering is all happening post facto. Oh, how could I have done that differently? What's the point in that? Next time you will do it differently. Would acceptance be more like, yeah, that happened? Yeah, it's all extra. You see, that's why I call it surrender. This is how it is right now. This is how it is right now. I can't tell you how many times I said that to myself and others. That was the only explanation I could give to why we were wearing masks or why, you know, we did things this way or why we washed our hands, you know, for was it 20 seconds or however long. This is how it is right now. This is how it is. You see that right now. It's only right now. You know, we did. We couldn't even project that it was going to be a full year or a year and a half or however long it was. And there are many people now who, by choice, still maintain certain behaviors that were required or conditioned by that circumstance. Then, you know, they still never step into a grocery store. They order everything from Instacart, all their meals are brought in. And now they find out that's not something that, you know, it really serves them. It serves them. That brings up another point that I think you should always think about before you act or say or do anything. Ask yourself this, who does this serve? Who does this serve? For me, when I stop, like if I feel like I need to, you know, respond or retort or I need to win something or if I need to make sure of something or impose something, who does this serve? Most of the time, guys, it's me. It's me. I will ask my daughter a question because I need reassurance. I will ask her a question because I need you know, to know she's okay and I know that she's having a good day or she's happy or this kind of thing happened or that kind of thing happened. I need it. And once you start asking yourself that question, particularly with teenagers, particularly now, so much of what we're seeking is our own security. Also, I had the experience, and you just put it into words, but just in the last couple of weeks, there have been instances and circumstances that really have been not fruitful for some time. And, you know, just try, trying to either make it right or accept it or move forward or whatever I've done, my tactics in the past, the last couple of weeks, uh, there have been times that instead of speaking, I would just go, well, what, 
why would I say that? Because it's not a negative thing that I'm saying, so that that I'm questioning, but it always came down to there was something in me that needed validating. There was something in me. It was it was my it was my um, dog in the sh- in the race. It was like I, the, I'm just going to put that there because this is, and it was searching for validation. It was searching for, you. Know, I'm gonna I'm gonna show that. I matter and I'm, I have value and I count and, you know, you'll see me or whatever it is. And I can think of two instances where I just purposefully just said, no, I'm just going to change that conversation and just not have it. And, and there was just so much more ease. Because so all more served ease. was you? Well, yeah, because I was just like, well, why? Because then I had this whole, why do I need that? And what is it about? And just this whole, the real conversation that needed to happen with, you know, okay, well, that's what that is. So I can stop doing that now. I can stop doing that now. And I think over the amount of time that I'd, that I'd done that for, you know, through my lifetime, it was probably the first time that I said, this is what that's about. And well, why do I need that? And I maybe need that from me instead of looking for it outside of me. And let's move on, you know, let's move on. Cause this is an, this is something very old and let's move on. You don't even have to move on. If yeah, you just stay still, already, it changes, right? There you go. See? Yes, that's true. That's so true. Yeah. I just had an experience yesterday. Let me tell you, I just stumble on this all the time. I got a picture from my daughter and, uh, I said, I responded and said, you know, I like, I like your hair a little differently. I didn't even say, I didn't say that nicely. I said, I like it when you do this. She, was, she immediately went radio silent. I mean, I knew, I, and I knew. <laughs> she finally responded and said, oh, okay. Well, I want to I make sure that I meet your standards. It was like a bell. It was like a hammer, you know. It was like a sledgehammer. It was like a Mack truck. I knew exactly I could not stop myself from saying something that I would never want anyone to say to me. In fact, I have another story I'll tell you, another kind of a teaching story that happened to me. Uh, Very often people, I say very often, you know, from across the parking lot or total strangers at the supermarket will say something about my hair. It's always something really kind or my lack of hair. So um, I was pulling a shopping cart out, you know, to go into the store and a woman passed me by and she said, your hair is so cute. And I thought, what? <laughs> and she said, uh, I used to have really short hair and you know, it was just no bad hair days. I mean, she sounded like she was my echo, you know, that it was exactly the kind of things that I say and do. She said, I used to wear it really short and I found that if I didn't have time to shampoo, I could just use a washcloth, is what she said. And maybe because of this topic, you see, maybe because I know how little I need and even can get in terms of, well, whatever I'm looking for. I said, you know, you don't even need that. You don't need anything. And she looks at me and she laughs and she says, you go girl with your free self. And I thought, wow, talk about validation. The freedom of realizing that you don't need anything. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to say anything. You don't need anything extra. So that was just, you know, at the supermarket on Friday, this there for the taking that I'm okay. I'm okay. Why do you think you said that? I was judging. You know how it is? I don't know if you've ever said these words, are you going to wear that? You know, or um, is it, you know, are those the right shoes? Or what do you think about? Uh, I like, I like your hair and braids, you might say, or um, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're really always kind of this needs a tweak. This needs a tweak. And I want her to know when I think she's at her best. And this also brings up something that I like to remember. I'm doing all the talking here, but you can tell I'm thick into this now. Uh, <laughs> did you ever watch the movie Ladybird? Sure. Oh, love it. Love it. 
love it. Watch it again and again and again and again. There's a particular scene that uh, just brought me to tears when I watched it by myself, you know, in a movie theater years ago, because it was just me on the screen. The daughter is going to a dance or maybe the prom, and she wants to go to a thrift store to buy the dress, which, you know, we would all applaud and approve of. I think my daughter wore a thrift store dress to her senior prom. Well, in this, the, the daughter comes out of the dressing room and she has on the dress. You can tell by the daughter's face that she, this is it, she loves it. And she asks her mother, you know, what do you think? And her mother uh, says, oh, it's great, but do you want to try some other ones? And the daughter looks at her, you know, immediately senses her mother's judgment. She's crestfallen. And then her mom says, I just want you to be your very best self. And then the daughter says, what if this is my best self? What if this is my best self? And of course, it's always your best self. Unless you or someone else judges it. I, I asked you that about the hair because it, I think yes, just yesterday this was a this was a conversation we had. You know, it was um, you know one of those things. It was either like shoes or hair or makeup or whatever. And then you know it was hurt feelings of I feel like you judge this, and you know I bring it back to, well. I didn't have this guidance or I just want to give you the tools. And then if you choose that you don't want to use that, then that's your decision. But I just want to give you the knowledge. Like, you know, like for, but honestly for me, because when I was in the seventh grade, I showed up at a rolling rink and my, my clothes did not match at all. Cause no one ever told me anything or checked me before I was leaving. And somebody pulled me into the bathroom and she, she helped me out and gave me a solid shirt to go with one of the patterns that I had on. And I, I just remember how, I just remember how it felt. And uh, so that's kind of been my guys. And I realized yesterday that there was a lot of eyes going on. I, 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 and I'm just like, what's wrong with Sophia showing up at a skating rink and a friend going here, this will be better. If it, if instead I give up the thought that my daughter doesn't think I accept her 100% or, you know, see her as awesome and perfect you know, and, and give her that space. Why am I taking away her space to find out the same things? Like, what am I so afraid of? You know, I eventually learned to dress monochromatically. <laughs> like I, I figured it out. And then that was my, and, and really this realization happened a little bit the other day, but it also is happening in the moment right now where I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's not about her. And it's not about me being some hero and like, whatever, preserving her, whatever, it's, um, it, it's about me. And if I can take that out. Yeah, the first word that you repeated in that was I, 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 I. So the question, who does that serve? Yeah, who does that serve? And just wait. Almost nothing that my daughter wears or any of the choices that she makes are not my the choices that I would have made. And uh, yet, I can totally see that she has a unique personal presence and style. And uh, I have to be careful. I'll, I'll spend the rest of my life and a good part of her life causing her to second guess herself. Second guess. We do that enough already, you know. And whose voice is that? Don't let it be my voice. Don't let it be my voice. <laughs> I'm practicing, you know, and I can tell Lori as you in this conversation, what immediately comes up is, oh, the recognition. This is what I do. I just did this yesterday. I you know, the immediate recognition. And so that's, that's good. That's good. So much has changed over the course of our friendship. So much has changed in your lives. And you don't have to take a bow, you know, and you may never get any congratulations, but recognize that you are seeing things, you know, with a such broader view, there's less fear. Certainly, I can tell you the next two years in Sophia's life will just race by and you may have her for a little bit longer. Well, you'll never lose her. 
but she is right on schedule to become exactly who she is. In fact, she already is exactly who she is. She doesn't need permission from you, but it's nice if you can step back and really let her become, become. And one of the things that's allowed me that this year is letting go of a lot of my fear. When you say we don't have, we don't have as much fear and it's a little bit easier because we're at a new place and I'd like to think we would have gotten there. But that absence of fear in one area, it would permeate in other areas of our, it just permeated every, I think everything that we did and we didn't really realize it until it was done with. And then we realized, yeah, there was, there was a lot of fear there and it was uh, it just crossed into everything. And it's been really nice just to, uh, just to be. You go with your free self. You go with your, I've, you go I'm girl. So, but I am so happy. I do feel like Maisen. I love our, our friendship because we, we've really cultivated a friendship and I just remember receiving your book. I remember reading your book and then midway loaning it to my friend who kept your book and then reaching out. I just remember reaching out to you and when you were open to come on and and talk on the podcast, just from the very beginning, every every conversation that we've had, I'm just so honored to share with people because I know that our conversations just open up so many things, they just open up so many doors in, in me and in our life. And it might not immediately, you know, you know, it's not like you're coming in with a, in a three piece suit and a briefcase and sitting in our IEPs and, you know, making people follow the law. But what you're doing is you're coming in with, with this, uh, this gentle guidance that we can go in ourselves and and find tools to deal with what can be very unjust. And I just feel so honored to share that peace, that that strength, because, you know, like you said, it is it, it, the thing that if we knew then that if I would have, you know, just in that moment, just breathed in any moment that was a challenge and said, it's just this moment right now. It's just this moment right now. And it brings a freedom. It brings such a, a wonderful strength and peace and and love instead of fear. And change can happen even if you just stand Changes still. Change has always happened. It's happening. It didn't, I didn't, like if I would have thought of that in any of those meetings, just been like, change is happening. Change is always happening. Because the one thing we say is, there's no change happening. And that would just like, just, nothing has changed. But everything has changed, Right. And we don't have to drive the change. We don't. Like, it's <laughs> happening. And when you said about the drop of water, and I just saw it, you went and it plops up and then it plops down and then it's gone. And a lot of times it would, it's like a bitter, a moment, a beautiful moment up oh, and there it is. But that's the challenges too. If I could visually and continue, like it pops up and it pops back down and then it's gone. I mean, just that, if I just sit and just embrace that, every time you said it, I could just see the little droplet of water. You know why, why our conversations, um, well, why they are felt so deeply? Because we have the same life. We have the same difficulties. It doesn't really matter what the specific circumstances are. We have the same fear. We have the same doubt. We have the same hopes. We have the same love. I can only speak from my own experience and your experiences sound familiar to me. I think my experiences sound familiar to you. This is something that's really lost in, in our world where we think that we have to uh, fight and that we have to argue. Sometimes, of course, we do, or it occurs that way. If we can adjust that perspective, so, you know, when you're feeling fear or resistance or rejection or uh, animosity or anger in whatever situation you're in, that feeling is felt everywhere. That feeling is felt everywhere. I always say all feelings are mutual. So, again, what I have to do is make sure that 
what I'm saying comes from a feeling of love, a feeling of respect, you know, for everyone that I'm speaking to, uh, a feeling of encouragement, no judgment. That makes, it makes a huge difference. It does open things up. Uh, it doesn't require a chance encounter over shopping carts at the supermarket in order to walk away from an experience saying, I've been seen and I wasn't judged. I was seen and I was given joy. I was heard and uh, no one argued with me. I wish, I really wish, over time, I'm going to give myself all the time I need in order to really cultivate, you know, what we call a traceless path. That's just where I no longer impose myself on this world that we share. No longer turn myself into a weapon, you see. Really allow, really accept, and really surrender. <laughs> Always waving a white flag. <laughs> like when we're walking the beach and we turn back at where we walked, but the waves have washed our footprints away. Beautiful. That's, that's what it is. And doesn't that happen in real life? In real life, we really don't leave a trace. You can't, you can't even find your imprint on the sidewalk or on a meadow. You can't find it. Uh, the only place we leave that trace is here. And when we act and speak from our ego mind, it's like a stomp, a pounding, you know, a, a, a marching, such a heavy footedness, you know, be light, be light. For our listeners, when you said here, you pointed to your head. Just oh, I'm always doing that. I'm always, yeah, I'm always pointing to my head and I say here, and then I realize when I listen to the recording, well, who knows where that is, you know? <laughs> That's why all things really are more clear and more understood, emphatically understood, instantly understood in person. You just talked about your, your peace and your traceless path. So when we're in a situation where it's someone else's stuff coming our way we can still let go we let go of that it's like a wave coming over you you try to grab a hold of it you and you stand and you stand where you stand mm -hmm. i know from experience people when they're challenged when i'm challenged i might hold my ground and repeat my opinion and get a little you know nasty about it but if somebody lets those words pass by they disappear by themselves they disappear by themselves. You've done just fine. I think the circumstance um, that you're in now, not that it's permanent, is a beautiful one. So no need to go back. No need. Just keep moving forward and apply the lessons that you've learned. Yes. When we apply experience, it's called wisdom. But what you found, I think, is a measure of grace. You have a measure of grace. The margins are wide. And you can move with some freedom and ease. You know, Liam's going to show you how. It's like a superpower to just kind of be in the moment, and then the only way you're looking is forward. And I thought about everything that you said. Like, I, I, when you're saying all of these things about allowing Sophia and giving her that space and not imposing the I, I, I's. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's on Liam as well. And I think that's where um, I'll do it with the guise of that is definitely for, you know, to protect him, to support him, to do these things. And, and that's, that's a good place to, to let go as well. And I love it. I love that. Asking who it serves. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just love the trust that it comes from trust and it comes from, you know, we talk about just the, the equality and the, and, and it's just, that's what we can do for our son as well. We don't want him second guessing who he is. We don't want him um, owning my fears and doubts, you know? Laurie, I think that as your children let go of you and you find yourself in more hours of the day and weeks and months and coming years alone, you will really ripen in your wisdom, realize how little you need to think, how little you need to review, how little you need to plan, 
how little you need to validate or justify yourself. And I can't wait to see who you become when you let yourself let go. I love you. You're, you're so wonderful. You're just, you really are. You're so good for my heart and soul. Well, I want to speak to something Stephen said, because it was brilliant when he said that letting things go, you know, sensing the flow is a superpower. And I only have two words to say about that. Michael Jordan, every great basketball player, every great anything, you know, or we could say Yo-Yo Ma, the great ones know that. They live that. Uh, and we think it's not, it's beyond us. It absolutely is not. The opportunity comes up in every moment. In every moment. You too, I think. You, there's still time. I don't think that you're going to make the NBA. <laughs> but I think in every other way, you can um, really expand your horizons with your own superpower. Well, we talked Ladybird, and maybe I'll wind up with talking Ted Lasso and being a goldfish. Well, I wanted to say, and I don't know if you've watched the finale. We did. Okay. Is this what it was about? It was about letting go mm -hmm. and trusting that the best place is where you're headed and that in that space you leave behind, that everyone can flourish, find what they need, be happy, accomplished, you know, that the space you leave behind is not empty. It's filled with the lives of who comes after you. I, I cried. I cried. What courage, really, to go where you're needed instead of where you are, feel accomplished and celebrated to do what's needed in this moment without any thought of your own status or your own future. There are always people who need to believe in themselves. There are always teams, communities to build, and then they can become champions. That's so true in our lives, isn't it? We don't have to make a TV show about it, but it's helpful to us when, when there is one. The reason I love Ted Lasso so much, and we talked about this at the beginning of, of the pandemic, is because it was the first time that, you know, hey, what if we're just kind? What if we're just present? What if we step out of our ego? What if, you know, someone does something horrible to us, and instead of retaliating, we just have some understanding, like acceptance in the way of like, that's what happened, and you don't have to retaliate. I don't have to do these things. And I loved that it just was... Everybody got to tell their story and every story was just this evolution of something beautiful and the world needs that and the world needed to see that maybe to be reminded that it was possible or what it felt like or what it feels like when something is kind and good and loving and I just I, I loved that I did I cried too. I was so happy that there was something so full of love that so many people in this world experienced. I agree. It was a perfect culmination. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it was, a, it was a teaching. Really trust the path you're on, the way forward. Really trust that. You can trust that. And you'll land, you know, you'll land where you need to be. And I want to thank you for seeing me and also for your honesty. Always, always, every I, I can't, I, like I said, I can go back to each one that I've listened to and been like, mm, and sometimes things hit me differently depending on where I was, but they were always truths and it wasn't ever a like heart. It was just, you just see me and I appreciate that. And even when you said about being validated, that's like a huge, that's huge. And maybe like moving forward that now that it's been said to me that I can move forward, I can move beyond that, but it's, it's a truth. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your friendship and your honesty. And I look forward to the moment in my life when I no longer need to be validated. And it's been something that I'm really, I've been really working on recently is that my opinion of me, who I am, what I create in my life is 
got to be the most important. It's got to, and it's got to come from love and it's got to come, you know, from me. And if I can get to that point, I see that I'm not going to like put the other things on anybody else. And when you do, like me, you immediately know it and you'll follow up and say, I'm sorry, I did that. And it will all be better. (laughs) Thank you, Maison. Thank you. Hey, enjoy your next three weeks of your retreats. I will. It's my medicine. I need it, obviously. And now that I have my glasses, I think I'll be able to see things more clearly in an easier way and accomplish things. I look forward to talking to you on the flip side. All righty. We love you. Oh, I love you guys too. You're so beautiful. And you go, girl, with the blue glasses. With the blue glasses? Yeah, Yeah, you go. And in the meantime, have a beautiful June. Have a wonderful summer. Have fun. Love each other. Okay? And um, we'll see you next time. We'll talk again. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod. And you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod. Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.